I'm Rick Steves, and this is Travel with Rick Steves. And right now we're thinking about uh, Americans traveling in Islam. Because Islam, as a traveler, it, it confuses me. And I've got with me Lolly Sermon and Tan Aran, two tour guides from Turkey. And Lolly and Tan are about as modern as I can imagine, and they are both practicing Muslims. Lolly and Tan, thank you for being here today. Thank you, thank Rick. You, Rick. Now, when Americans are thinking of going to Turkey, which is one of my favorite countries, uh, with the uh, tension between the Islamic world and the Christian world right now, are there any things that Americans should be aware of? Are we welcome in uh, in Turkey? Uh, can we go there and learn about the mosques? Uh, what are some insights yes, for us? Yes, Americans are most welcome in Turkey, even more than the past, because the Turkish people, especially when they see Americans, they want to express that they are accept American citizens as human beings. In other words, regardless of our government's exactly, foreign policy. Exactly. Turkish people, through their own experiences, through their own governmental experiences, have learned over the years, have learned to separate the government from the individuals. For instance, what percent of the Turkish people opposed our war in Iraq? A major percent Maybe opposed st- about 70, 80 percent. But of the- your government still supported our government. Yes, it did. No, it didn't. It didn't. No. Finally. Mm-mm. But it was quite a, quite a struggle in your country, a lot of pressure from America. Yes, it was. And uh, the Turkish people didn't want to be part of the military operation. So democracy won in Turkey. So democracy won. It was voted in the parliament and it was, it was voted not to take part militarily and Turkey didn't. Even with pressure from America. Exactly. Now, Turkey is an Islamic nation, 70 million people, bigger than the size of California, but a modern Islamic nation. And a lot of Americans, I think, get Islam confused. You're not Arabic. You're Turkish. Now, tell me in Turkey, what is the state of Islam today? First of all, Turkey is a democracy and everybody has the free choice of whatever religion they want to practice. Because of the heritage of what Turkish Republic is today, majority of our population are Muslims. And everybody practices it the way they want. Now, would you say the population of Turkey is uh, nominally Muslim or actually practicing Muslim? Uh, About 98% of the population are considered Muslim, but we can't know how many of them are practicing Muslims because there's not a questionnaire to find it out. Now, you're not wearing a a burqa and you're dressed as a modern woman and you function as a businesswoman in Turkey today. You're well-educated, university-educated, married to Ton, and you're Muslim. How do you reconcile that with uh, people who cover themselves up and are Muslims and have a different approach? I respect it. If it's their sincere choice, I respect it. And the way I look is my own personal choice. So it should be also respected and that's the case in Turkey. If you want, you can cover up, or if you want, you can look like an American does, which most of the Turkish women chose to do. But it's a personal choice. Lali, to um, distill Islam into the famous five pillars of Islam is as simplistic as distilling Christianity down into the Ten Commandments. Yes. But for a lot of travelers, when they think about Islam, uh, they try to understand it by remembering these five, what they call, pillars of Islam. Very that's quickly. The, what, that's how the non-Muslims remember of Islam. That's right. not how Muslims remember of Islam. I'm a non-Muslim. All right. Help me remember this. Just very quickly. The first pillar? Is having faith, uh, declaring that you have faith in God, in oneness of God, and Muhammad as his prophet, as the last prophet. The second one would be performing your prayer on a regular basis. Five times a day. Five times a day. 
The third one would be fasting during the month of Ramadan. The fourth one would be giving alms. Every Muslim is to give 2.5% of their yearly income to the poor and needy on the condition that uh, they can feed and take care of their families properly. And number five? Pilgrimage. Pilgrimage to the Hajj. Go to Mecca. Hajj is the pilgrimage to Mecca. I just want I just don't want people to think that Islam is all about those five pillars because it's not. It's more of a lifestyle, it's more of an understanding of life, this life and afterlife and understanding how you should be living this life, what kind of a person you should be. And it should be considered as a whole instead of part by part. Okay. It's not enough. Can we talk about the five pillars now? Yes, we can Good. talk about the five pillars. Okay, let's talk about the first one, Lolly. It is believing in the oneness of God and believing that Muhammad is the last prophet. The count as one. Uh, for Muslims, it's very important to acknowledge that there is one God. Exactly. Allah. That, that's the key thing of Islam, that now, there uh, is one God. You're a Muslim. I'm a Christian. Uh, I call God God. You call God Allah. Is that just a translation? Is it the same guy? He's the same guy. I call water Sue. You call Sue water. Okay. As a Christian, Jesus was the Son of God, our Savior. You have uh, – what's your take on Jesus then? For the Muslims, Jesus is not the Son of God but the soul of God, hmm. a major prophet. Okay. In the Quran, which is the holy book of the Muslims, it lists names of 28 prophets. Huh. And it includes Jesus Christ to give some examples, Solomon – David, and Moses, and Abraham, and Adam. And it says that in the Quran, to consider yourself as Islam, you shouldn't only believe Muhammad, but to all that was sent with the message of God. And Jesus was a little special because he's the soul of God. Yes. But Muhammad is... The last prophet. And he was from around the year 600. Yes. No, nobody after that. Baha'u'llah no. didn't make it. No. No. Gandhi... No. Bob Marley? No. Oh, okay. Not even Beatles. <laughs> Not even the Beatles. Okay. Not, now, you got to pray five times a day. Yes. Why five? Because it says so in the Quran. Okay. So there's some wisdom in the Quran that you respect. Mm-hmm. Some people say that's just um, ad- advice to get out and breathe and exercise and stretch. Anything to that? You can make many different comments about it. You can stretch, especially some of the Because pray- the Muslim prayer is a form of Meditation. It is very similar to what people know as yoga, that you meditate, you stretch yourself, you reflect with yourself, get a moment away from the rush of the world and have a chance to breathe a little bit spiritually and physically. And there's a call to prayer across Islam from the Philippines to Morocco. It's just like with the speed of the globe, you hear this call to prayer and people are praising God. Yes. Five times a day. Yes. It's like a global wave. And in a stadium in America, we have this wave. And all these people are praising God with their prayers as the sun whips around the planet. Exactly. What are the five? There must be like dawn, high noon. Does it break out any way that way? When do they have the call to prayer? Uh, Of course, it doesn't say with like at noon or 3 p.m. The times of the prayer change with the position of the moon and they're described in the Quran. Like for the first prayer of the day, which is really early in the morning, it says that you should be performing your prayer when you can see the white hair 
from the black hair. When you can see the different colors, so when there's it's enough the time. light. I like exactly, that. exactly. Such kind of descriptions. It would be slightly before the sunrise, and we have another one in the midday around noon. Another one in the afternoon, and it's described as when your shadow is twice the length of yourself. Perfect. And there's an evening, and there's a night. So your watch is broken; the battery's out. You can still know when to pray because yeah. your shadows. You get a twice measure as as and your... measure. <laughs> now I've been on a bus in Afghanistan where they stopped the bus, and everybody got out at a certain time. They actually will enforce that in an Islamic country. Not in Turkey. Not in Turkey. No, that's, that's not a in different、Turkey. interpretation again,、uh, because when you're traveling,、uh, you may not, you may skip that. Oh, you have a little,、um, a little you slack when you're traveling.、That. So many travelers, when they first land in Morocco or Egypt or Turkey, they're startled in the morning when they hear this call to prayer. When we hear the call to prayer,、uh, if you're not a practicing Muslim, does everybody stop what they're doing? I mean, would it be polite for a tourist to、uh, acknowledge the call to prayer some way? No, in Turkey, life goes on. So, as a visitor, there's nothing special that you'll be. Doing or you'll need to be doing when you hear the call to prayer. So if I'm talking, if I'm playing backgammon, keep going. Just keep going. Just、okay. keep going. So the third pillar, or do the numbers matter? Which number? Not at、matter. all. No.、Mm-mm. So one of the pillars is fasting. Fasting is fast during the daytime, and they are allowed to eat during the nighttime. And when we say fast, nothing goes through their mouth. The time that the fasting starts is the first call to prayer in the morning, so it's before the sunrise, and it continues till the evening prayer. So between these four prayers, Muslims don't eat or drink anything. After the evening call to prayer, they are then allowed to eat and drink until the next morning's call to prayer. So each year for one month, this is the period of Ramadan. Yes, and there's no eating,、uh, basically as long as the sun is up. More or less, yes. Can you drink? No. Nothing. Nothing goes through the mouth. No water. No water. Wow! And you've done this all your life.、Uh, Rick, in Turkey, the practice of Islam or practice of religion is observed on an individual basis. You can't generalize. Okay. So some people take this seriously; others will. Or some fast half, some half of the month, some. Don't. It's totally on an individual basis. Is that right? Is, there's not a head count of people who is fasting and who is not fasting. There's not a head count of people who is going to the mosque or not going. No head count. Because I've been in Morocco on Ramadan when、mm-hmm. everybody is poised with their soup and their spoon ready, and as soon as the call to prayer happens, it's okay. Not in Turkey. Not in Turkey. No. This is called、uh, Ramadan, and this changes every year a little bit. The time yes, of Ramadan, because the Muslim calendar is eleven days shorter than the Gregorian calendar, so the time shifts a little earlier every year. And when we say devout Muslims do fast, cannot eat and drink while the sun is up, but we should also open a parenthesis and say that only health-wise they're able to do it.、Mm. If they are not, this body is given to us to take care well of it. You can't torture it. You don't have such a right to torture your body. So, if you're not able to do it, it's not entitled upon you. Now, what is the purpose of fasting? If you're able to do it, is there some value for this? Yes, there is. It is a self-discipline. It's a self-discipline of your body, self-discipline of your soul, and remembering God and getting closer to God as much as possible. Now, what about this、uh, during Ramadan, when、uh, many devout Muslims are fasting all day long, from sunup to sundown?、Mm-hmm. 
uh, I feel uncomfortable eating and drinking around people who are fasting. What is what is the thoughtful, appropriate way for a non-Muslim to uh, function during the fasting month of Ramadan? If you know that the people you are socializing are fasting, it's a nice custom not to eat and drink around them, just to honor what they are going through. But there's no rule about that. You can eat if you're not a Muslim, if you're not practicing the act of Ramadan, you can eat and drink as you like. And can you still find restaurants open? And yes, so on? No all problem. around Turkey. Absolutely exactly. no problem. No problem. And actually, I can recommend travelers to be in Istanbul during Ramadan because it's really very festive, especially the center of the old town. Little booths are established. Foods from different regions are brought in. You can buy them from the stalls. Little tables, little chairs are established. A little festival that happens after the sun goes down? Yes. So every day there's a mini festival when the yes. sun goes down. But if you're, if you're not observing the fasting, you can eat earlier. You don't All have right. to wait you for the first la- in line. Now, the other pillar is that you must make a pilgrimage. Going to Hajj. Going to Hajj. That means going to Mecca. Is that right? To Mecca, to Hajj. And I've once had, in a lifetime. Once in a lifetime. You, as a Muslim, you're supposed That's to go a must for the to Mecca. That's there are a- conditions. Okay. Uh, you might be health conditions that are avoiding you from such a travel, then it's not a must for you. It's not a cheap trip. You can't afford it, then it's not a must for you. A must for an individual is to be able to properly take care of the family first. And if they can have excess money above it, then it is upon them that they perform the pilgrimage to oh, Mecca so and Medina. If you physically can't manage it or if you don't have any money, you don't money have to go to. there, what would you do as an alternative? If you have money, what you can do is that you can sponsor a poor person's trip to Mecca and Medina. Okay, so if you're too frail to go, you could, and you have the money, sponsor mm-hmm. somebody And else. if you don't have the money, there's nothing you ha- you're supposed to do. Now, I've heard modern Muslims explain to me that this was uh, Muhammad's idea that it's just healthy to get out and see a little bit of the world. As a matter of fact, uh, 1,400 years ago, Muhammad said, don't tell me how educated you are. Tell me how much you've traveled. Exactly. Is there something to that? Is that why this Hajj is such a big deal? In part, Hajj is becoming one. I mean, once in a lifetime, people go there together to perform namaz, to perform salat together. It's being one with God. So when, that's, when we look the at this... The idea is not to forget the past. It's to, it's to be there with the other people and uh, get, get this unity there. Well, we, so have, the idea. we have Eucharist. It's a sort of oneness also. Together, we, we think of Jesus exactly. when we have the so, communion. So uh, that's the idea. What's that big stone called in Mecca? The... Black stone? The black stone. That's mm-hmm. the center, isn't it, with this mosque around it? Where people walk around? Yeah. It's not a black stone, Rick. Maybe I need to correct a misunderstanding or misknowledge about it. Teach me. It's what people walk around in Mecca as they perform their pilgrimage actually is a stone building, and it has got the color of the sand that you would see in Saudi Arabia. It's a building. Muslims believe that it is the first building ever built for the prayer of single God in earth. To worship ten- one God. Exactly. It is believed that it was built physically by Abraham himself, and that's what Muslims consider the center of their religion. And what you see as black is the cover that is put over it to protect it. Okay. Now, when we look at this, hordes of people. And that you, are walking around And it, you read newspaper accounts of tens of people who are trampled to death because of all this. It really is this huge gathering of people and this ritualistic oneness that people do. And exactly. it's probably mm-hmm. uh, a, a very exciting pinnacle in the spiritual life of a, of a Muslim person. It is. And there's another black thing, which is known as the black stone. These two things are different from one another. There's a special black stone that is in Kaaba, 
within that big building, which is covered with plaque, which is believed to descend from the heaven. Okay. So Was that a meteor? I don't know. I haven't seen it myself. It's stunning that. Uh, throwing stones at that is throwing stones at your own uh, self. It's okay. getting away from yourself and uh, it's, the, it's the physical self okay. you're getting rid of and there's the soul. Now, the, the fifth pillar of Islam is giving money to the poor. Yes. And this means uh, exactly what? This exactly means that, first of all, if you can take care of your family, feed your family properly, take care of your children properly, and if you have excess money left afterwards, mm -hmm. you should also consider the other members of the society you live in. Because we are not beasts living in the wilderness. It's a society and everybody needs to support one another for a survival. That's the essence of it. And if you have excess money after taking care of your family, then you should be taking care of the poor and needy in your society. In Turkey, this is completely practiced on a private level. There is no imam or no government authority knocks on the door of someone saying that this is the yearly time for you to pay alms. You do it very privately and directly to the people that you think need the help. Now, when I was in Turkey once, I was in the rural area in the east, and I went into a man's house, and he knew I was a Christian, and he was a Muslim, and he pointed to the wall, and he had a bag where his, his scriptures were, his Quran, I guess. And he said, as if I was part of his spiritual family, we are people of the book, I think he said. Something yes, like this. people of the book. Tell me more about that. For uh, In the Quran, the statement says that for Christians and Jews, as they are mentioned in the Quran, they are mentioned as the people of the book. So there's a um, unity there. It's an yes. acceptance. Yes. These yes. are all people who believe in one God. Exactly. And they have uh, their scriptures. And this man had – that was the most sacred and respected place in his house where he stored his book, mm -hmm. his Quran. Yes. And the Bible is as sacred and the Old Testament is as sacred. And the Jewish Torah. Yes. And the Jewish Torah is as sacred. Sounds not that threatening to me. No. This is fascinating. Thank you very much. You're Tan welcome. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Each year, Rick Steves Tour Guides take thousands of free-spirited travelers on escorted tours through Turkey, Greece, and beyond, one small group at a time. And this year, we're offering more than 30 exciting itineraries, including a week in Istanbul, the best of Turkey, and Athens and the heart of Greece. For a free tour catalog and Rick Steves Tour Experience DVD, visit the tour section at ricksteves.com.